You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. So the elephant in the room is an English metaphorical idiom for an obvious truth that is either being ignored or it goes unaddressed. This morning I want to take a look at the price of integrity. Someone once said, the strength of a nation derives from the integrity of a home. I like that. You know, integrity is so much more than what you've done and what you've accomplished in your life, but it's more who you are at the very foundation. Face it, every single one of us in this room, we've lied, we've cheated, we've stole, we've made mistakes. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, yet integrity is something that we as individuals need to strive for, and that is only accomplished through daily surrenderance of our lives where we look more and more like Jesus. The elephant in the room today is integrity. See, integrity, it's easy to say, I walk in integrity, but what are you like when no one else is around? What are you like when, when all of a sudden there's an, there's an opportunity for gain in your life and it's kind of like, you know what, I may have to step on someone or I may have to hurt that, but it's going to profit me if I do this. What is at the core of your foundation? Integrity is another topic that truly I think we could spend a whole lot of time on for there's different types of integrity which specifically target different issues in our life. For example, I'm sure every single one of us have had that where you know what, you go to the grocery store and uh, you run through your groceries and you walk out to your car and you're, you're unloading it and then you just take a look at your bill and you realize that you weren't charged for something. You know what, maybe that box of Tide was on the, the bottom of the, the, the cart because it, wouldn't, it was taking up so much room so we shoved it at the bottom and we went through the checkout, we forgot all about it and we noticed it. What do you do? You're already outside of the store. You already, we already made it away. Is it like, oh, I better go back and say, listen, I just noticed you didn't charge me for this. Could you charge me for that? Or is it kind of like, hey, Jubilee, this is God's blessing. Hallelujah. You know, I spend so much money at Sobeys and they overcharge anyways. I deserve this box of Tide. What about, what about the whole area of covenant? We know that God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. That we make you know, we make covenant on our wedding day. And I just, you know, in the first service, I had a, a couple come up to me and they told me that they were just engaged. And I love that. That's so, such an exciting part of our journey. But the truth of the matter is, is are you ready for what you're about to get into? You know what? The Bible says that, that we need to be able to come before the Lord with just that, that like David, with that clean heart and that, 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 that sense of God, I want everything. And when we come together as husband and wife, you know what the truth of the matter is, is there was a Lance before Cindy, and there was a Cindy before Lance. And when you come together, and I marry Cindy, I'm not just marrying her from that day forward, but you know, quite often we have baggage to deal with, and things to be able to, to work through. How many people who are married know exactly what I'm talking about? There's issues and areas that, that may perhaps are not surrendered to the Lord, that we've got to say, God, I give this to you, Lord, and Lord, help us. There's a book I always recommend for, for newlyweds or, or young married couples get, getting ready for that. It's called Two Fleas and No Dog. It's written by a guy named Craig Hill, and it basically sh- talks about how a flea likes to suck the life out of an animal. That's what a flea's job is. 
And when we come into marriage, if we haven't dealt with the previous baggage or the previous stuff, it's two fleas trying to suck the life out of one another because we come into marriage with expectations. You know what? I expect this from you and I expect this from you. And when it doesn't happen, that's why our divorce rate is off the scale. We have to come in there and say, you know what, Lord, I made a covenant that sounds something like this on my wedding day. I promise to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, forsaking all others till death do us part. That is a covenant that you're making before friends and you're making before the Lord to be able to step in that place and say, honey, we're going to get through it no matter what life throws at us. An out is not the answer. But what the answer is is saying, let's do it. Because what, during the difficult times, when we can make it during the difficult times, man, those times of bliss are just awesome. There's integrity with business. You know, there's a time when a handshake was golden. You know what, as a businessman, if I was going to sell a piece of land or do whatever I wanted to do, and I walked up to someone, they said, hey, we'll give, I'll give you X amount of dollars for it. You shake a hand, and you're like, you know what, done. It's a done deal. Let's go to the lawyers now. We'll draft up the paperwork, and we'll make it official on Monday. Well, the weekend comes, and during the weekend, all of a sudden, someone else talks to me and says, hey, I'm interested in the land. And you're like, you know what, sorry, I sold it. They're like, seriously, I need it. Why do you need it? Well, I need it for this. What did you sell it for? Well, I sold it for X amount of dollars. I will triple that if you sell it to me. Well, all of a sudden, it's kind of like, whoa. It, it, it's just a handshake. There's nothing binding there. There's no, there's no proof of, of anything. We haven't done up the paperwork. Maybe this is the Lord opening up a door for me to be able to get more for, for this. No. That handshake is golden. That handshake is, I'm a man. I'm a woman of my word, and my word is my bond. The Lord is setting up His plumb line in our lives. It says He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. Lord, help me to always walk in Your ways. God, help me to value Your Word in my life. Help me, Lord Jesus, to put You as my focal point. Because you know what? There's opportunities and times where I fail. And the Lord's just like, Son, I'm going to give you that test again. And He brings us right back around the mountain again. And it comes again. It's like, okay, God, help me to conquer that. Help me to walk in integrity. I'd like to share a biblical example of someone who walked in integrity, choosing God over all things, and that's the life of Samuel. Now remember before Samuel was the priest Eli, and Eli was a priest who chose to look in the other direction, for the Bible says that he had two sons that were wicked men, and he did nothing about it. So all of a sudden, Samuel takes in that place of leadership. The Lord removes them. He stems at the place of leadership, and we can read his account in 1 Samuel 14 starting in verse 12. Then Samuel addressed all of Israel. I have done as you asked, and I've given you a king. Your king is now your leader. I stand here before you, an old, gray-haired man. My sons serve you, and I have served as your leader from the time that I was a boy to this very day. Now testify against me in the presence of the Lord and before his anointed one. Whose ox or donkey have I stolen? Have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe and perverted justice? Tell me and I will make it right. Whatever I have done wrong. No, they replied, you have never cheated us or oppressed us. You have never taken even a single bribe. And the Lord has anointed one of my witnesses today. Samuel declares that my hands are clean. Yes, he is a witness, they replied. That is a powerful statement. 
How many of us could stand before our friends and stand before the nation of Israel, stand before uh, the Lord and, and, and everyone says, okay, guys, I'm about to retire, but before I do, I want to take an honest look at my life. Is there any t- anyone in this room who can say that I've stolen from you, that I've cheated from you? Can anyone in this room say that I have robbed you in any way, that I have not walked in integrity? If so, speak now, and I'm going to make it right before I retire. And the whole nation, not one person says, yes, you wronged me here because he was a man who walked in integrity. That is powerful. You know, this whole thing with bribes, you know, that's not really part of my life. You know, people don't usually come up and say, hey, pastor, I want to bribe you. Will you pray for me? Like, it just doesn't really happen, right? But Nish Nish over here, who's who's, uh, our missionary from Sri Lanka, and uh, and I was talking to Nish, and, and Nish was telling me about the way that it is in Sri Lanka and how, you know, bribes are just part of life. You know, you get pulled over by a police officer, and they may stop you for no reason, and then it's just like, here's, here's $5, look the other way, and then they just let you go and do, do their own thing. And Nish was telling me, and Nish, correct me if I'm wrong, I told this in the first service, and I'm wrong, I'm going to have to go tell them all that I was wrong. But uh, uh, when you were coming over here and you're wanting your papers to be able to get cleared, you walked in the office to be able to get, I, I believe it was your visa, and, and they had to mail it away. They had to mail it away, and the guy wanted a bribe, and, and, and Nish, being a man of integrity, said, like, I don't believe in bribes, even though it's the culture. He's like, I will not do that. So the guy just sort of took it and said, well, I'm putting it on the bottom of the pile and left it, left it there. So as the time went on, Nish was getting ready to come over to Canada, and that place that letter had not even been sent that he would not be allowed to get into Canada if it was not sent he went back and seen the guy and the guy's like well you got to bribe me uh he's like no I'm not going to do that he's like well I've already sent it don't worry about it and then uh, he left and Nish went and checked the guy's desk and he saw his letter on the desk and Nish just took the letter and mailed it himself you know and 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 got out of that type of situation but I said to Nish I I would tease around with Nish I'm like I think I would like Sri Lanka you know because the bribes aren't expensive you could do anything you want, just like, here's five bucks. <laughs> you know, just look the other way. You know, you, you, you're burning down the road. Now, again, it might be very different. You know, you're, you're burning down the road. You get the sirens behind you. It's, it's 100 zone. You're going 130, and you're like, oh, no. And it's like, hello, officer. How are you? Good. You're speeding. Yes, I was. Well, I won't write you up a ticket if you give me $5. <laughs> Done deal. Here you go. Boom, and take off again, peeling the tires. You know, like that would be just something that we don't do here. But yet, as I've talked to guys, I've found in, in, in different industries, like the oil patch and this kind of stuff, how, how bribes are very much real. You know what? If, if I, as, as my company, if we do this for this manager, then I know that we're going to get this $10 million contract, so we'll just sort of slide that under the, 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 the numbers. We'll get that contract, and then we'll just make it happen. And, and as I've heard different stories of different guys sharing this kind of stuff, I'm like, I had no idea that was happening, not only in North America, but in my backyard. It happens. But to be men and women of integrity... Where does that all boil down when it's kind of like, Lord, I want to be able to walk in that place, but God, that's a $10 million contract. And if I go and wire this, this guy's cottage for free, and then, or if I buy him these big rims and monster truck tires for his, for his truck, then I know I'm going to be guaranteed this contract. But to be able to step in there and say, no, I want nothing to do with that, Lord. I believe that you are my source. You are my provider. You are my hope, God. That's when it gets into the elephant in this room because I know there's a lot of oil guys here. 
And you know what? Maybe I'm stepping on your toes right now. But we need to be men and women of integrity to be able to stand in that place where we say, you know what? Here is my life, God. I'm giving account for my life. And God, is there anyone who I've taken a bribe for? Is there anyone that I've cheated? Is there anyone who I've stolen from? Lord, help me to be the person that you've created me to be, God. In our city, a large percentage of the population is involved in either the military or oil and gas. Today, I want to really highlight these two occupations and see where there's an opportunity for our integrity to be tested. I've asked two people to share this morning, one who is in the oil industry and one who is in our Canadian forces. Ray, who is in our forces, is currently away on temporary deployment, but has graciously allowed us to record an interview with him. Take a look. Good morning, church. Uh, today, the elephant in the room is integrity. And um, the, the two main industries here in our community is definitely oil and military. And uh, I wanted to take a look at the, the whole area of integrity through, these two, uh, th- through both of these industries. So I would like to welcome uh, uh, Ray Cowell. Ray Cowell is a master corporal in the military. And uh, I know Ray well, and I know some of his story. And uh, what are some difficulties that you face in the military with integrity? What are some, what are some things that are thrown at you on a daily basis? I, I understand the military is very much a high-stress situation, and, uh, and uh, you work in close proximity with uh, males and females and uh, are often away together in different situations in, during de- deployment. So can you uh, share a little bit about what that's like? Well, first off, I think that uh, being in the military is a very unique career choice for a lot of people and puts a lot of stress on military families. And we can see that through the divorce rate within the military structure. But I guess the first challenge I had with integrity was on basic training. And basic training, um, I was kind of shocked because of the amount of promiscuity that I saw. And, uh, of course, you know my personal testimony, um, my ex-wife, went away on deployment, and uh, committed adultery uh, when we were married. And I struggled with that for a really long time, you know, and I sought the Lord's guidance in that. And I see a lot of military families that go through similar struggles. And it's very difficult um, to see things like that. I mean, in the military, especially on basic training when you're on course and when you're going away, uh, you have something that's called ops tempo, where things are really ramped up and you have a lot of tasks that you need to do and carry out. And it really brings camaraderie and it brings people together, men and women. And the military is very unique in the fact that it allows men and women to live and work in very close proximity together in these high-stress environments. And when you do that, when, those, when you're doing these tasks, um, your relationship, the relationship that you have with, your, with the men and women that you work with um, really gets very close in nature. Um, and, and that can be a problem in some cases. Uh, I know in all the training that I've been in, um, there's always been, uh, husbands and wives that have committed adultery and it's, it, it's a sad thing to see because it, it's a constant reminder of my struggles and, um, basically, you know, what my daughter went through in the separation of our family. And I think it's a, a, a very, um, I think it's very prominent in the military and I think it's very sad. And I think that we need to really promote family unity. I think that we need to have programs and services both in the military and within the local community to combat these things. And um, so to be integral, I think it's important to set boundaries. 
as a supervisor um, between those relationships. And in some cases, I mean, you really just need to, I know I, I'm in Tampa Bay right now. That's why I'm doing this video. And, uh, and I pray a lot for the people that are on TD and deployment with me. And I pray for their marriage. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do is bring awareness to this issue and um, in hopes of keeping military families together. So, Ray, as a, as a civilian, I've heard around town, um, and whether it's, just, uh, whether it's just something that's kind of cool to say or whether it's, there's a truth in this, but I've heard the saying, whatever happens on TD stays on TD. Is, is, that, is that a mindset in the military? Yeah, the military has this um, kind of stigma where it talks about what happens on TD stays on TD, and TD stands for temporary deployment. That's what I'm on right now in Tampa Bay. And unfortunately, illegitimate children and sexually transmitted diseases don't follow um, that saying. But it's very prominent in the military, and there's a lot of people that have that view. And unfortunately, um, whatever they do follows them back home to their families. And, um, and now with technology, I mean, the world's a smaller place with Facebook and text messaging and stuff like that, and it always gets back home. You know what? Moral failure leaves behind a curtain, a certain residue that is really hard for most people to overcome and should be avoided like the plague. You know, quite often we hear about these massive people, governors, senators, presidents, who fall immorally, and it's just kind of like, wow, like, you know, pastors and, and, and evangelists that fall morally, it just rocks the church in such a, such a negative tone in it. You know, I, I, I was... Uh, I was on Facebook uh, not too long ago, and uh, I, I just happened to see on one of my buddies' pages that, that they were kind of slamming Lance Armstrong, kind of like, you know what, what a, what a fool. I, I believed in this guy, and, and you know, da-da-da-da, and kind of talking about what he did there. And, and then a bunch of people kind of jump, jumped in there, and, and then I went into this, this chat, and I hate doing that because, you know, you, you, uh, you never know what is behind a, a text or, a, or a, an email. You can't, it's hard to put an emotion behind it. But as I, I walked in there, I said, you know what, guys? I said, the truth of the matter is, is I saw the interview that, that Lance Armstrong did uh, with Oprah, and, and whether you believe what he's saying or whether you didn't believe what he's saying, it doesn't really matter. This whole thing has rocked his world. And you can tell because he makes one statement. He talks about his son. I believe his son's name is Ben, if I remember right. He says, you know what? My son for 10 years defended me. And I remained in that place being adamant that I was innocent. And now that I've come out and said that I'm guilty of everything, my son says, Dad, what do I do now? And he's turned to his son and he says, Son, when people say that, say my dad was guilty, but he's repentive. And that really showed me his world. You know, the truth of the matter is, is we may not be someone of influence that if any one of us fell morally, if anything happened to our marriage, it probably wouldn't make the national news. But the truth of the matter is, is within our family, we would have the same consequences that any one of these major people had. It brings forth a tear. The children get stuck in the middle. And that, that brief moment of pleasure is is throws away a lifetime of commitment. You know, I just wanted to share this morning some practical tips how myself as a pastor tries to walk in that place of integrity.
You know, and I think that any man and woman can, can really look at our lives and say, I need to adopt this as, as who I am. You know what? I, I, I walk in that place of, of, of knowing your weaknesses. You know what? Let, let's say that I have a weakness with the computer. See, my wife, Cindy, I leave my computer at home quite often. I never delete my history unless I say, honey, I'm going to delete my history. Come, come and look. Before I delete it, I want to clean up my cache. Because if there's anything that she wants to see, I want her to be able to see it. She has access to my emails. Now, whether, again, she reads them, whether she doesn't read them, she has access to that. I don't want to hide anything. You see, I take, I take uh, meeting with girls especially very serious that unless the secretary is there, I try to meet in a public place, in a restaurant, uh, Tim Hortons, or, or go out for lunch where, where all of a sudden there's a lot of people. And sometimes even that kind of stuff throws a loop at you. I remember when I first started pastoring this church, we were in the little building over there, and one of the ladies had a doctor's appointment in Calgary, and she had a doctor's appointment for herself and her two children. And she says, Pastor, I'm terrified of driving in the city. Would you mind driving me and my family to this doctor's appointment? So I'm like, well, sure, let me see what I can do. And I rearranged my schedule again. It was, we, were, we were a much smaller church at the time. And, and I, I worked that out for me to be able to take her to Calgary. And then she made plans for us to stay overnight in Red Deer at a friend's house. I said, you know what? I don't want to stay overnight at a friend's house because I'm staying overnight with you and your two kids in a house that I don't know. So if we're going to do this, we're going to go down to Calgary and come back the very same day. So we got up at 5 o'clock in the morning and we went down to this appointment. She had two other appointments that she didn't realize that we didn't leave Calgary till 7 o'clock at night. And at 7 o'clock at night, we're, dr- we're, we're driving. And she's like, are you sure? Like, I can call my buddy. We can stay up and say, no, we're, we're, we're going back to Cold Lake. And then on the way back, we get almost to Bonneville. She says, oh, I forgot to tell you. My kids need to stay over in Bonneville this, tonight. So we're going to drop them off at their dad's house. Can, and then we'll just go on from there. And I'm like, oh, no. Now I'm 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm alone with a woman in a vehicle and I'm feeling very uncomfortable. So she gets out of, the tr- she gets out of the, my truck and she goes in and, and, and uh, drops off her kids. And you know what I did? I called Gord Clark, the guy who led worship. I'm like, Gordy, listen, here's the situation. I know it's 1 o'clock in the morning and I woke you up. I said, but I'm not comfortable right now. I've got myself into a situation that I don't like. I said, I need you to talk to me from here to Cold Lake. Be on the phone till I drop her off. He said, Absolutely. So she came in, and I'm just chatting on the phone. And she's like, who are you talking to at 1 o'clock in the morning? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. I always get calls like this. So I talked with Gord from Bonneville all the way to Cold Lake until I dropped her off. I'm like, dude, thank you, because that gives me accountability. You know what? In my office, I got pictures of my family and my kids all over the place. I got pictures of my family and my kids on my phone. It's a constant reminder of what the Lord has given me. You know what? My phone, if you take a look at my phone, there's, there's, there's Liberty right there in her kung fu pose on my wallpaper, and I slide it open, and I got a passcode on my phone. The reason I have this is if I ever lose my phone, I don't want somebody to be able to go in and turn off my GPS so I can find my phone, and I, that's why I got a passcode on there. But my wife knows my passcode. And, ev- and quite often when I go out, I got men's tonight, and quite often I'll leave my phone at home because I have nothing that I want to hide. Where darkness is, that's where demonic presence flees. 
but to be able to shine light on absolutely everything is imperative. My friends, we need to establish these things in our life to be able to walk in integrity. The second thing I wanted to look at today is the whole oil industry. And again, it's hard for me to talk about military because I'm not military. It's hard for me to talk about oil because I'm not an oil guy. But I've asked Regan Faith to be able to come up this morning. As a veteran, my two brother-in-laws were, have transferred from their job into uh, power engineering. And Regan really surprised me because he said to one of my brother-in-laws, like, are you sure this, this is what you want to do? You know, the average salary in Coal Lake, do you guys know what the average salary in Coal Lake is? Average salary in Coal Lake is $120,000 per household. So some of you are here like, okay, yeah, I see that. And other people are here is like, man, I'm living in the poverty line and I didn't even know it. But the truth of the matter is, it's, it's, a, it's a wealthy town. And with it being a wealthy town, that, that whole sense of power engineering is very appealing because you know that you're going to make, be making over the $100,000 mark to be able to, to do this. So as my brother-in-law switched around and started working for that, he got to say to my brother-in-law, like, are you sure you want to do this? Because if it's not a passion then you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Regan. So first thing off, uh, when Pastor Lance asked me to share, uh, you know, my personal struggles with integrity in the oil patch, he said, wouldn't it be great if you told your testimony from, uh, from Fort McMurray? So I went away and I started working on that. And, and at the end of the week, I, uh, I came back to him. I said, Lance, I can't, I can't do that. I said, I'll probably only make probably a quarter of the way through my, uh, my testimony I'll cry uncontrollably and run out of this room. And he came back with me, uh, to me with, I'm, I'm fine with that. So we could go that way. There's probably not a lot of takeaway for you guys from that. So I'm going to propose an alternative that we read from the scriptures. I'll still share from my own personal experiences. And I'm also going to toss a couple questions out as we examine our lives as instructed in 2 Corinthians. So a few points before we head off elephant hunting. Number one, please remember, I love you with the love of Christ. That's why I'm up here. Number two, I put, put this list, uh, list together from firsthand failures and successes. And number three, please know that if you're currently sharing the same struggles, you're not alone. And with that said, let's go hunting. I'd like to talk to you about five different areas of integrity in the oil patch. Number one, integrity in our speech. In Colossians, we're instructed to let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And in Ephesians 4.29, uh, it tells us, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Full of grace and seasoned with salt. I'm not sure that's how I or more importantly, Christ, would describe all of my conversations at work. Isn't it so easy to join in on the destructive conversations as we tear people down at work rather than, as, rather than building people up as we're called to as Christians? I found that there's a, there's a direct connection between how I speak to my colleagues or about my colleagues and the level of satisfaction I experience at work. It's amazing to see how much these types of conversation can poison our lives and rob us of the pleasure that God has for us. You know, I woke up this morning and I was thinking about, you know, what I was going to say today. And, you know, it just dawned on me, you know, the verse where it talks about uh, the power of life and death in the tongue. 
you know, I probably read it a hundred times, and every time I always focused on, uh, on how the words affected that other person and word cursing and all of that. You know, this morning it dawned on me, you know, kind of in, in relation to this, to, to what I was saying today, that, you know what, the uh, power of life and death is, is also extended to the person speaking those words. So, friends, I encourage you to take some time this week and examine the words that you are speaking in your workplace. Number two, integrity in submitting to authority. In the book of Titus, we are reminded to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready, to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. Romans 13 also directs us to be subject to the governing authorities for this, for there is no authority except that which God has established, the authority that exists has been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Brothers and sisters, how was our behavior to that supervisor that was promoted based on a relationship rather than a skill set? Do we so easily highlight their deficiencies and undermine their decisions? Or do we submit to the authority that God has put, put over us and come alongside that supervisor and help them or her to get into a place of competency? You know, church, God placed me under an unethical leader in my life to teach me what true leadership was about. Until I experienced unethical leadership, I could not fully value the importance of integrity. It is possible to remain true to your Christian convictions while serving under an ungodly leader. Number three, integrity in times of conflict. Folks, how are we handling conflict in our workplace? Matthew 18:15 states, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their faults just between the two of you. Are we going to directly to that person and having a candid, candid and respectful conversation to resolve the conflict? Or do we stop off at every office along the way and let everyone else know about the wrongs that have been done to us. By the way, that's called socializing, and it's a tactic to win disputes. You see, we socialize the issue to create support from others to win that conflict. And that's exactly why, when we stop in at all those offices, that we're so selective on the information that we share with that colleague. Number four, integrity in our finances. Do our timesheets in any way resemble reality? Do we work two hours and bill for four? How do we handle timesheet errors when we stand to benefit from the error? Proverbs 11.1 1 clearly outlines, The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in an accurate weight. God sees our timesheets. God sees our invoices. So now that we're warmed up on a few smaller elephants, let's go after something of size. Number five, integrity with our time and with our energy. Haggai 1.4, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you are not satisfied. You drink, but you are not, but you are still thirsty. You put on clothes, you cannot keep, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them into pockets filled with holes.
How many of us in this room have a luxurious home when it comes to our career while our families lie in ruins? Or maybe it's a ministry that God has called you to that lies in ruins. Rich in, rich in our RSPs and broken our marriage. Maybe we're confident as an employee but insecure as a parent. Folks, let me cl clarify. I'm not opposed to wealth and a fulfilling career. I believe that we serve a God that wants to richly bless us and to see us satisfied. But I am, I am completely confident that God's blessing and satisfaction extends well beyond our finances and our careers. Brothers and sisters, what I'm talking about here is when we are succeeding in one area of life at the cost of a failure in another. And you know what? If you're one of these people in this room that have found balance in, in between work and life, you know what? May God bless you. And you know what? I just encourage you to come alongside some of us that maybe aren't doing so well. John D. Rockefeller was presented with a question at the height of his incredible personal wealth in the oil industry. How much is enough? To which he responded, one more dollar. That was so much like my attitude in Fort McMurray. One more turnaround, one more project, one more promotion. One more, just one more. I sounded like a drug addict. Oh, sure, being a workaholic is more socially acceptable than a heroin user, but both victims are still medicating their pain, and both will miss out on the incredible plan that God has for their life. There were excuses that I used to justify what I, what I was doing, but in reality, I wasn't in a season of busyness. The better day that I kept referring to, it was never going to arrive, and consuming myself with work had nothing to do with financial security and meeting my godly responsibility to provide for my family. So where am I going with this? Over several years, God made, made many attempts to call me from the destructive lifestyle I was in. And it was the recollection of my parents walking with integrity and putting us children ahead of their own careers that finally called me to take action in my own life. You see, it takes integrity to live a balanced life. Proverbs 20, verse 7 the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children that follow them. Walking in the oil patch can be difficult at times. It can also be a very lonely road. But also know this. The blessing that God stores up for those that walk in integrity will always outweigh the sacrifices that are made for it. That's just how God works. Amen. Let's give a hand. You know, Regan, uh, you shared some pretty awesome things this morning. I just want to thank you for sharing your heart. Let me ask you a question, Regan. Like, what um, I, I shared uh, um, some, of, some of the steps I take in my life uh, in the whole military around there to walk integrity as a husband. Uh, with this whole oil industry here, since I have you live and not, not through videotape here, what are some steps that you take to be able to, to, be able to help you in your, in your walk in the patch? I guess as I shared the first service, you know, I'd love to come up here and tell you guys that, you know, I got all the answers and, you know, I, I made that decision in Fort McMurray and I've been winning ever since. That's, that's just not the, the case. You know, in fact, uh, you know, as I shared, you know, two weeks ago, I fell off the, you know, kind of the workaholic wagon there and went for about a two-week bender. And, you know, and, and it showed me that, you know what, I'm not going to get there on my own. 
So, you know, I've made an active decision now to, to commit to men's group. And you know what? Also committing to, you know, um, being accountable to other men in that group there and just allowing them the access to, uh, to call me, you know, number to, 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 to share with them and then to, the, to call, call me on what's going on. Awesome. You know what, guys? Like, uh, again, integrity is not just a male thing. It, it, it's male and female. And to be able to be in that place where it's just kind of like, hey, sometimes I think we get so busy and caught up in work and we get so busy caught up in schedules that we have to be able to say, you know what, I need to, I need to not look at men's ministry as another night out, but I have to look at men's ministry as a lifeline to myself as I walk through life. You know, it's so important. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron. It's important to be able to, to get together as men and be able to say, listen, this is what's going on in my life, and, and this is where I need help, and this is where I need strength. And there's some times that you're going to have the answer for someone, but there's other times where the guys are going to have the answers for you. So I would really, guys, make that, that, that plunge and say, you know what, I'm going to make men's ministry Monday nights, 7.30, a, a priority of my life. Ladies, Tuesday nights, uh, 7 o'clock, and uh, uh, Wednesday mornings at 9.30, I believe, uh, is, is women's ministry, and just a flourishing ministry, and just love what the ladies are doing. But it's so important how, the, you know, the older I get, the more I realize how much we truly need one another. There was a time in my life where I was Superman, I could do it all by myself. But I think God has really crushed that in me. It was kind of like, Lance, you need your brothers and sisters, because the Bible says when we are weak, he is strong. And it's amazing how brothers and sisters can come, uh, come alongside at that right time and just speak life into your spirit. When you're doing the Lone Ranger game, it's too easy just to take the towel and throw it in and say, you know what, I'm done. You know what I'm talking about? How many times have you written up your resignation? That's it, I'm done. And the Lord's like, no, you're not because you haven't sought me on this. I want you to seek my face and get my input into your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this elephant in the room, God, on integrity. And God, I know we just scratched the surface on it. There's many things that we didn't even talk about today, God, that have to deal with integrity. But Lord Jesus, you are raising up a generation of men and women who are so hungry for the things of God. You're raising up a generation where, where all of a sudden what was okay yesterday is not okay for today. God, would you mold us? Would you shape us? Would you form us into your creation where, Lord, every single day we're looking more and more like you? God, may we have the grace when we blow it to say, you know what, I blew it. But God, would you forgive me? And God, you are so quick to forgive. But Lord Jesus, we'd be able to walk in that place and say, I don't want to stay here, but I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I want to be who you created me to be. In Christ's mighty name we ask it. Amen. My friends, have a great week this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Men, 7.30. Women, uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Have a great day. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.